I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. Today, I speak with Eleanor Austin, who advises business leaders and career professionals on how to create a LinkedIn profile that rocks. She shares practical tips on how to make the most of your LinkedIn presence. This conversation also lends itself to talking about the power of storytelling, vulnerability, and how do we blend our personal and professional identities. Welcome, Eleanor Austin, to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you, Dana. I am delighted to have a conversation with you and so happy to be part of your podcast. Yeah, well, I'm delighted to have the conversation too, because I've had the opportunity to get to know you a little bit over the past few years. And I know that you talk a lot about rocking your personal brand. And I know that you were a CBC producer uh, for over 30 years, was it? Oh gosh, it was uh, it was probably feels like that long ago, but probably about half of my career. I think yeah. about fourteen years I okay. spent uh, at CBC at Radio. CBC, yeah. yeah, and so amplifying the voices of other people, and that's what we're doing today is amplifying your voice, hearing what you have to say. <laughs> and I know that uh, we're going to talk a little bit about vulnerability and storytelling. And it seems to me when I hear someone who's worked for the CBC and is interested in other people's stories, that that comes from somewhere. Um, How did you get interested in storytelling or on that path? You know, if I think about storytelling per se, in my family, it took the form of conversation, I would say. And growing up in a family where you're one of six children Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, I'm thinking of our kitchen table. So our kitchen table was the shape of a horseshoe. And in the middle of that horseshoe was the stove and oven. And my mother would often stand behind that stove and um, create conversation around that horseshoe. And there's a, an expression by Eleanor Roosevelt that I don't know if if when I remember seeing it on a placemat in a restaurant in Cape Breton and thinking, Mom, this is you. And perhaps she I, she probably even had quoted Eleanor Roosevelt. And it is like small minds discuss people, average minds discuss events, and great minds discuss ideas. Mm. And if there were one quote that would define our upbringing or what she tried to instill in us is conversation around ideas. Mm. And it's, of course, not that we didn't discuss everything else, but it was a deliberate um, or intention that Mm. she had to make us think bigger and to take us not just out of our own uh, situation in terms of our own home, our own school, our own community, but to think more broadly about um, how we as people um, interact, how we get things done, and, um, and to give us like a future vision mm. of something greater than our own situation, perhaps. Mm. And of course, perhaps faith played a role in that. I remember her also saying, um, you know, faith is belief. You know, you can't can't necessarily see it. It's kind of like that leap that you sometimes have to take. And I remember thinking, I didn't quite get that. (laughs) (laughs) I I do as an adult now. Yeah. uh, But um, yeah, I, I think perhaps the storytelling came from her interest in helping us be interested in ideas and in people, in how things got done. And, um, and of course, you know, sitting around that table, me being the youngest of six, um, I had lots of people to learn from. Like my mom was very independent. She had high expectations for her children. My father died in a car accident when I was four. So my mom was the one who brought up 
really, I mean, not that we don't have memories and, and those of us, those who are older have even more memories. Uh, but, you know, our, um, my mom was the one who was there every day um, being that leader of this company of yeah. <laughs> six employees. Kind of. um, and uh, her strength, but also, you know, I had three other sisters and, and one of those, you know, the eldest was also very, very strong, very independent. So I, I grew up with this thinking that, um, that, that women and men were equal. We all had a share in, um, uh, what the future would look like. Mm. And when I hear these early beginnings and I can, I can, as you're picturing this horseshoe table, which I find interesting, um, cause I always say I love a round table because you can really get mm-hmm. everybody in on the conversation. And so I love the idea that it's a horseshoe table and I can imagine your mom in the middle cooking and serving and talking <laughs> and trying to engage these six characters, you know, in, in, in not, in not just the small talk, but the, the big important things. And as you say, you didn't realize things then, you know, maybe how pl- faith played a part. When you look back now as an adult, what impact do you think those early beginnings of sparking conversation um, have on you now and what you do and how it informs how you move in the world? Well, you know, I thought everybody engaged in conversation like that. And I, everyone was welcome around that table. Like uh, with that kind of a roundness to it, you can squish people in. So (laughs) (laughs) there were other people too. And it was hard to get your own voice heard sometimes. (laughs) Um, And so I think I grew up with an appreciation of, of, of other people's ideas. And um, when I think about how that informed my future and look at, uh, you know, going into journalism, I I think part of that was also uh, a friend, um, a very good friend. Uh, Her mom had, uh, talked about journalism uh, for my, uh, you know, for my friend to go into, and I thought, oh, that's a really cool idea too. And um, but for me, what it did, I think, was I appreciated asking questions, mm. and I love having conversation because I love to understand how did this lead to that. Or how did you get there? Or what made this happen? Or where did that idea come from? So there's a sense of curiosity, of course, Mm -hmm. where it all stems from. Uh, But it's that also desire to learn and, um, and to know how to ask a question. So journalism taught me how to ask a question mm. or how to ask open-ended questions. Right. And so <laughs> in a, another circle of friends, um, a, a friend would call me Scoop Austin. <laughs> <laughs> because especially when I was working at CBC, and of course, every single day you're looking to um, – bring stories to the community and um, she could tell by the tone of a question that I would ask if I was you know scooping for a story (laughs) that might be on CBC the next day or something like this (laughs) but you know at CBC what was really cool was I had the opportunity to design programs and as a young producer I think I became a radio producer when I was 25 and responsible for the content of the program, responsible for the the staffing of the program. And I had the opportunity to meet the head of CBC Current Affairs. And, you know, my curiosity said, you know, why do we have, why is our show like this? You know, why is it this format? And um, he at the time that I, you know, I learned later, they were thinking of canceling afternoon shows, but they thought, you know what, we'll give them another chance. Why don't we, why don't we take those questions and um, say, how can we create programs that sound like they come from the city where they originate? So I and two other producers across the country were given that opportunity to imagine what should a show 
sound like that comes from our community. And so I looked for those storytellers locally, like what were the things that mattered to people here? Mm. Well, we live in a very historic area. So who is the history storyteller? And Dave Goss, we did a a series with him. So he helped inform us about our place. Mm. Um, Architecture was amazing. We started a a series with, uh, with Bob Boyce, who informed us about um, our city and its architecture. So those, I mean, they were just a couple of different examples, but it was a really great opportunity to not only look at our place and what were the stories that, that, that could be told or needed to be told because they're sitting there like this beautiful um, 18th, 19th century buildings, um, but also how can we create conversation? How can we, how can it, feel like we at the end of the day know that person much better who lives over you know across that next fence Mm. um and so uh storytelling became part of the essence of the program that we created because like the second question was oh well can you tell me a little bit more about that you know is there a story that will illustrate that idea Mm. so storytelling was built into the essence of the program that had the opportunity to create. And the other part that um, I, I, you know, I always found that in journalism at the time, and it still is very much the same in many ways, there was always in a story, there was the but, like in a news story, there's some this and this is happening, but, and the but was always the bad part. (laughs) And so it's not that we wanted to ignore the bad part, but we knew that there were good news stories to tell. So let's have conversations with people about the experiences of their lives. Mm. So kind of what happened around that um, horseshoe shaped table where let's talk about ideas. Let's talk about how uh, people are making things happen. Let's talk about um, experiences that uh, inform our lives and inform our future, um, we, I was able to kind of bring that uh, to life through radio, which I really, really enjoyed. Mm. So kind of a long answer to talk about, you know, the importance of storytelling and conversation and, and the roots of it. But that's kind of where that took me. Yeah. I guess. And I can see your, your beginnings there, you know, how, that I always find it fascinating. I think it was Steve Jobs said that you can't connect the dots going forward, but you can connect them looking backwards, you know? So when you look back at your past and you see all these little uh, dots on your timeline and things almost make sense, you know, you're never off your path. That's right. I, you know, my version of that going into marketing research, because that's what happened after I had the opportunity and executive had said, you know, we're looking for somebody who will be able to have conversations with our customers mm. because we we do we do lots of research but we don't necessarily understand the experience of our products in the environment in which they're being used and sometimes you don't know the capability of what you have until you give it to somebody to use it and they will take it and use it in many ways that were never even imagined so um, the what what we would say is the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior Mm -hmm. and so that's what I then went into was um, having conversations with customers in their own homes with kind of the latest technology that we had at the time this was MDTEL and it was uh, seen as a very innovative company in the world so these conversations could lead to us better understanding okay how how can we use these stories of the way people are using our technology to um, perhaps be able to tell others how they can use it you know Mm. through marketing or you know through ideas for new services Mm. what have you come to learn about the importance of storytelling because you have vast experience from being in journalism and producer and doing market research and it's still always around this conversation and trying to unearth um, the other person's story so what have you learned about the importance of storytelling well or conversation it yeah it, it is kind of the essence of how we evolve we learn through stories Mm. uh a story will stay with us like (laughs) i uh, friends will friends and family will say eleanor 
your memory is amazing. Like you could remember <laughs> the color socks somebody was wearing that day, you know, that they told the story 20 years previous. And so for me, it's a way to remember and to learn. Mm-hmm. And I am still learning about storytelling. So for instance, uh, now what I do is I, if I think of my career, I think about amplifying people's voices. So mm-hmm. first at CBC, it was, as a producer, it was putting the voices of people in the community on the air so we could hear their voices and learn from them. Uh, then in marketing research, it was the customer's voice that I was bringing to the boardroom or bringing to um, marketing or bringing to service development uh, for new ideas. Or, um, and then it for and now what it's moved into is amplifying the voice of clients so what I help them do is tell their own story Mm. on LinkedIn usually I mean it's it's about your own brand story so who what is the essence of you uh for your client or for your company for your career Mm. um and I help them articulate that um and so in that sense it's it's amplifying their voice but in doing that, I'm, I'm given the opportunity to go and speak to groups or go to speak to companies. Or, um, and I remember preparing a talk and on LinkedIn came across uh, a guy whose his whole his business is about storytelling. And he challenged me to tell the story of the first time I did a LinkedIn uh, workshop because, you know, it's a cool story in that the person who was most reluctant to create her profile uh, (laughs) actually uh, said, I'm going to delete it, you know, the next morning. She really just did it because it was a bored activity and perhaps to humor me, she went through the process of understanding it and uh, then said, yeah, well, you know, I'll just delete it the next morning which she didn't, thankfully for her, because an opportunity came her way and it was an executive position clear across the country and she decided to take it. Mm. So it is a great story, but how do I tell that to engage you? And so it was so cool because he said, you know, take me to that room. Mm. And so the story begins with, you know, imagine in, there's an empty boardroom table just waiting uh, to be filled. And then kind of one by one, these women dressed in their attire from work, they come in one by one, they grab a water, they pull out their chair, they have a seat and open up their laptop and they are about to begin. And what they're doing, they're creating the story of their brand of of who they are on LinkedIn. And then lo and behold, this woman, you know, receives this opportunity, takes it, and the rest is history for her. But it was so cool because even though I'm well steeped in this, I still need to be trained and still need to be reminded that storytelling is how we uh, engage. Mm, I think when we want it to be memorable. It's so true. I think that's important. I was in Toastmasters a number of years ago, and that was always something that they really preached because it was a way for people to remember. So I think if leaders are listening, um, I think even when you talk to your employees, when you can demonstrate things through stories, people remember it. I think it gives clarity. And even we know ourselves, if someone's telling a good story, we all lean in. It makes it more interesting. Like I even listened as you described, you know, the, the women came in and how they're addressed and they pull out the, the chairs. I'm starting to build an image in my mind that becomes memorable. And uh, so I think storytelling is a way to connect us all. Right. Because you, like you just described, you went into that room like you can picture yourself there Mm -hmm. and so imagine if it's a a process that you want people to follow um Mm -hmm. a story will get you there from a to b to c it's true because you place yourself there even if you're if you're not there And, and you now help people spruce up their linkedin profile so you advise business leaders and career pro- professionals on how to create a LinkedIn profile that rocks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Because we and, want you to rock. Yeah. <laughs> so what part does storytelling play in telling our personal brand on LinkedIn? Does storytelling work on, on LinkedIn? Oh, it sure does. And it's so LinkedIn, if people aren't familiar with, with what it is, it is the largest online professional network on the planet. And it is more than, I would say, a network. It is a platform because it's a place where there are learning opportunities, like there are thousands of courses that you uh, can you can take online. Uh, it's um, There's a, a network feed where you can engage with people around the world or locally. So... Mm-hmm. It's both local and global. And one of the things that I, for me, I think it does is it makes our world, like the world that we live in, much larger because it connects us with the world and it makes the world much smaller because mm-hmm. it brings us together from around the world. So, for instance, uh, this, today I'm having a conversation with somebody from South Africa who I met on LinkedIn. And so time zones, continents away, mm-hmm. we can connect live. And it was just because of interacting with this person on LinkedIn. So storytelling is part of the everyday life on LinkedIn. Perhaps, you know, if you're more familiar with Facebook, you have a feed. Yes. Um and people will tell stories in that Facebook feed. On LinkedIn, it's professionals from around the world and and in our own community who are telling stories, sharing what they've learned, sharing right. insights relative to business or relative to uh, an industry. Um, and so those stories um, that are just a different realm, they're typically business stories, Mm -hmm. they, they get shared and that reflects the brand of who you are. Mm. Um, but in terms of your profile and I'll, I'll put it this way, I guess your profile is the, is the foundation. Like if you think of perhaps, um, a pyramid maybe, or a, um, uh, uh, three building blocks. So at the very, very bottom of that what holds up everything is your profile and the profile is the brand of you it's your professional identity um, in a story form and it is through your profile that where you would find your picture where you'd find your headline and where you find your about kind of like a website where you have an about Uh, this is about you and those are the the probably the three most important elements because your picture will travel with you every time you like something on a feed, your picture will pop up. And so for instance, this person from South Africa said, so how did you, you know, come to, to see me uh, or come to decide to connect um, with a conversation uh, that we're about to have. And he says, well, you know, it was your, your brand and, and in fact, your picture. So mine, um, I'm wearing a kind of my brand colors. Mm -hmm. And so it popped out. So the importance of your picture, even though this is what I help people with, uh, what I, what I train people on, what I instruct. Um, It was interesting to hear somebody else who has uh, tens of thousands of followers say, yeah, that was what was really important and Mm. and why I found you. Then the other part is your headline. And this is basically your brand story in 120 characters. Right. So this is um, like shorter than a a tweet (laughs) and more important in that – um, your, if you comment on something, your headline travels with you around the world. And I remember right. one time uh, I uh, had uh, posted a, um, a link to a newsletter and the newsletter was so inspiring to me that I, I basically wrote a, 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 a story about it. And because the person who wrote this newsletter has like three had 300,000 followers at the time, many more now, 
people started looking at my profile and I thought, wow, it's a good thing that my profile was kind of world ready because <laughs> that headline traveled to like 15,000 people in that day. And uh, so your headline is, it's basically an impact statement. I do this for these kinds of people that brings about this effect mm. or this benefit uh, is one example of, of the way you can write a headline. And then the next part is your about, and that is about you. So if you think about uh, how do I engage somebody, and in fact, think, speaking of journalism, I kind of look at your LinkedIn profile kind of as you would a newspaper. So if you think about walking into a corner store and there are newspapers sitting on uh, a stand, what you see is the top half of the newspaper. It's been folded. And what draws your attention? It's a picture, it's a headline, and then it's the story. And in the story, that first sentence needs to draw you in. Mm. So your your profile is very much the same. Your picture is really important because somebody is going to make a judgment in like a tenth of a second. So how long does it take to create a first impression? Mm, not long. Blink of an eye. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Instantaneous. would say a tenth of a second yeah. <laughs> to decide whether you are trustworthy, whether you're credible, sure. whether you're friendly, uh, also if you're attractive and if you're aggressive. But uh, very quickly, people will say, do I want to get to know that person? Right. And so your picture is so important. Mm. And um, uh, so those, those, just like the newspaper, your picture is so important to draw them in. That headline is so important to draw them in. And the story is so important mm. to draw them in. And that first sentence. So that's what I help people do is to say, how can I draw you into the story of me? How can I be relevant to you? Mm. So if you're a business person, it's really important because you think, okay, well, who is it that I want to attract? It is the um it's my ideal client if you're a career professional what is the story that you want to tell that puts you in the best light for your career going forward mm. what are your career ambitions and uh so yeah it's all about a story and mm. then the next part is okay well who are you talking to so it's about the second part of once you have your profile done, which is your foundation, the second part is, okay, well, what does that network look like? Who are the people who I want to connect with in a meaningful way? How do I proactively build the network that will suit my objectives? So like, for me, uh, don't do it the way I did it. Like, I think I had more than 500 connections when I hadn't even sent one invitation to connect with people. I thought, isn't this nice? People want to connect with me. And I'm thinking, oh, that's actually not the way to do it because I am not actively growing my network that suits my purposes. People right. are growing their network for their purposes. Important point. And, yeah. And very important. And so then the third part on top of your network in terms of who do I want to build relationships with? It's that content. It's the engagement. So you may want to post um, an article that you've written. You may want to post an article about leadership that is from the Harvard Business Review or from Forbes magazine or from Inc. It's about uh, technology. Um, so you, you look for content that is relevant to your brand to your interests and you share that content and it and I I still even to this day um struggle with me being really personal which is the way yeah. to engage people in a story but I'm you know so trained as a journalist that <laughs> it really is about the other person it's so and true so because you and I talked about that previously, and in the promise of, uh, well, I talked about the top of the podcast about vulnerability, you and I chatted about how we originally uh, met, and it was through a networking group that I was helping to um, find speakers for at the time, and I can't remember how I got in touch with you, but we had met, and then you had agreed to come um, speak to us about LinkedIn, and... Do you want to tell the story of when you were driving there or what you had decided <laughs> going off the, t you know, the point that you just made about struggling to 
reveal some personal things. Right. Because on LinkedIn, the most engaging posts are when you are vulnerable. And so Mm. there is benefit in being vulnerable because you're showing who you are and people do business with people. So they want to know who you are. They need to know and trust you. So it is important. And I do remember um, understanding the importance of vulnerability so people will know and trust you right and they will relate to you and what you say will resonate with them more when they can relate to you yes. and I remember on my way to speak to uh, your networking group and thinking okay I know it's really important to be vulnerable and okay I'm go- I'm going to do it and so my opening line was I believe we are put on this earth to build each other up And it is something that I have always felt. I remember when I lived in the uptown of our city and being an uptown area in St. John, there is there there's a mixture of neighborhoods and there be a number of street people who would be still out at 637 o'clock in the morning when I when I say still out, they're either coming out or they've stay they've they've slept outside and I remember going for my walks in the morning and thinking what my mission is on my walk while I'm walking which is for my health but what I want to do is to bring joy to whoever I see on the street so that they will feel that they've had someone smile at them first thing in the morning, that they've been seen, that someone has said hello, that someone has been friendly. And it may be a nice way to start their morning. Mm. And so I, you know, consciously every morning, whenever I would see somebody, you know, even if they had their head down, I would say hello. Mm. And I would say, you know, in a, in a happy way, I'd say good morning, you know, to, to, to try to make them feel better. And so that idea of starting a business kind of presentation, revealing something about myself Mm. felt kind of vulnerable, which, um, but it went to the truth of who I am and it went to the the core of what I believe. Mm. And, um, but it also is very relevant in terms of of your profile and who we who we show up to be in a professional setting. So how so, professional or how personal should we be on LinkedIn? Because you, you know, for you, where you felt like coming to our business meeting and that just saying that we're here to build each other up felt very vulnerable to you. Uh, it showed us that uh, that hu- human side of you. And um, I found it interesting that you had actually said you, I decided to reveal a bit of myself and where I think, well, that doesn't seem that revealing at all. That seems like a very nice idea, but it depends on what we all um, view, uh, you know, our own vulnerabilities. But I think about, uh, I've told personal stories on LinkedIn and I often think about how personal do you get? Where does that cross into your professional identity? Well, a lot of it comes down to who you are and what your brand is and what your objectives are. I would always keep that in mind because what purpose does it serve to be vulnerable or to be personal? And it always needs to serve, I would say, a professional purpose. Um, but there are a number of people on on LinkedIn, um, uh, so Q is you could you could look some of these people up and or like some of these people are writing books like for instance um one is writing a book about imposter syndrome so Mm. she's being very vulnerable um about her own experiences of of um of feeling like an imposter even though she is hugely successful. Mm. Um, she's being very vulnerable in telling her stories so that other people will also be vulnerable in telling their stories. Mm. And and what that reveals is that even people who are um, at the top of their game don't necessarily feel like they belong. Right. So that's important in the business context because um, as a leader – we are people and we can't forget that every single person is human. Mm. So how can we um, relate to people so that they can be their very best? How can we be perhaps empathetic? How can we, um, how can we use this 
to be more resilient and, and encourage others. Like I, um, I'm an encourager. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why I love what I do because I help people tell their stories, uh, help build up who they are in their best light. Mm. Um, so there, another one, um, very uh, cute who talks about, you know, not having the money to pay the rent, um, kind of, uh, horrible beginnings in terms of didn't look really help, hopeful, but now has a huge following and his following is because he shows who he really is. Mm. So you'll find on LinkedIn that there are very compelling storytellers who do reveal who they are, but what it actually does is it supports the brand of this person that you can trust them. Mm. Yeah. That they are who they say they are. So in business, we used to say, yeah, we're just um, buying vaporware. So this is kind of like <laughs> all these slides tell a good story. But now that's not enough. You have to back that up with real stuff. It's true. Who you are. Because mm. I think, uh, especially in a professional setting, you know, you read people's resumes, you... Um, read people's stories they're all sort of often very similar like we benchmark this and we we represent that and it's all this the, the this vernacular that is um it's professional but it doesn't really say a lot and it doesn't tell me about you it doesn't tell me if you if I work with you if you're kind or how do you interact with me um and I guess that, and because that's a big part of getting to know people that you want to do business with people, like we've said, like, you know, you know, like, and trust. And how do I begin to build trust with you? Um, how do I really know who you are? So it's exactly. finding, it's striking that balance on LinkedIn. It's that balance, but also it's the differentiator. A hundred percent. Everybody who has that professional veneer all those words start to sound the same yes. and so how do you distinguish between this really good story and that really good story yeah. and so sometimes it comes down to uh, okay who do I trust to be able to deliver this mm. it's, it's and true. often it's because it's the person I mean that's why referrals work so well in business yes because people will trust somebody they know it's true it's true. Uh, and you, you said to me that, um, I don't know if you say your viewpoint shifted on vulnerability when Brene Brown did her TED, TEDx talk on shame and vulnerability. Oh. And I rewatched it actually this morning just to remind myself about it because it's, it's always so good. Her work is so good. But wh what about that talk began to shift your view on vulnerability or how we show up with respect to vulnerability? Well, it's so interesting because that talk was probably around 2010, 2011, yeah, 20, yes. 10, 10, 10. so about a decade ago. Mm. And so it was a very, very different time in the workplace. And I would say in the corporate workplaces where I had been that um, vulnerability was not part of the vernacular at all. Right. And I think that's, a, I think listening to that from 2010, where I think that opened the door for professionals to understand that we are people mm. <laughs> as well as professionals and to start to bridge that um, uh, veneer of the professional with the um, inner person. Mm. And to me at that time, it was so important because I remember being in a workplace, uh, I was uh, doing a, a contract uh, for about a year, and it was a really, really great workplace. Um, but I had um, just gone through the death of a person in the family, and I remember crying, really, you know, like sobbing at work and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so unprofessional. Mm. And then when Brene Brown talked about you know, I, I think she talked about crying perhaps in the workplace too. I can't remember, but for me, it was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm still a professional, even though that happened. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't take um, away from your professionalism. It, it, it doesn't take away from who I am. It shows that I'm human, mm. but also it doesn't take away from the fact that I, um, 
am very skilled in what I do, but you know, I we all have some weak moments. I remember as a journalist interviewing a politician and it was during an election and during my interview with her she became a bit emotional and um and i could see see some tears and i'm thinking oh like i relate to her because i am that person too <laughs> and i i wrote my story and i you know talking with the executive producer at the time i mentioned this although it wasn't part of my story and i said you know she became a bit emotional and she said what do you mean and i said well you know i could see some tears forming and and she says well, that has to be part of the story. And I said, well, you know, that happens to me all the time. Like, perhaps I just didn't get enough sleep that night before. And they said, this is an election. If she is showing some vulnerability, it may indicate, you know, something else. It has to be part of the story. So very, very reluctantly, I made it part of the the news story. Mm. And, um, but I just didn't quite, I didn't feel right about it. And I remember years later, seeing that politician and saying, uh, that, you know, I, I, it, it was a decision that was a, um, that was made above me, I guess, and, and that it wasn't my intention, but, you know, she felt, um, uh, appreciative that I let her know, but I think it just shows that, you know, sometimes when you're doing interviews with people, it's a people to people. It's a person to person. Mm. And, and that when you allow people to, um, to speak and you allow them a safe place to tell their story, they become who they are and, yes. and maybe their vulnerability comes out, yes. but it's through sometimes expressing that vulnerability that we see strength Yes, because it's like, two parts of the same coin as the expression goes. Um, and I guess, you know, in, in terms of uh, faith, you know, we, we understand that it's sometimes when we are weak that, that God is strong for us. Mm. <laughs> but and I think sometimes it's when we show who we are that, that people then relate to us better and yes. that we can, our strength shows up because it's compared to where we just were, perhaps. Mm. And I think with respect to vulnerability, when you're saying with respect to the politician, you know, because I've had it even just in my, when I'm coaching people or you're just having a conversation with someone and you see that vulnerability, you see the emotion, to ignore it feels like to deny who they are. Right. And it's actually when you lean into it and, and say, what is that about? What's coming up for you? you know, it releases even more. There's depth there. There's a reason that's why right. that's coming up. And so I think it's so important you say, because they, they allow that vulnerability when they feel safe, right? Like people will keep their guard up um, if they feel like, you know, they're going to be judged or exactly. or not to hold, hold that vessel for them till they can get all of that emotion out. So I think it, it gives permission to be human when we sit and we lean into it and, and not judge it and just let them be. I love that, that it gives them permission to be human mm. because you're right. I, I agree that it shows a person's depth mm. because if we are just that veneer, then how interesting are we? Exactly. <laughs> and it's not that we have to excuse me, be vulnerable to show our depth, but it's an aspect of who we are. And it's an aspect of our mm. depth. I almost feel like it's required. Like, it, <laughs> like it's, um, it's always amazing to me, you know, if I make a connection and, and I even, rem you know, when you and I met for the first time, I remember thinking, wow, I have this awesome connection with Eleanor. Like this is special, you know? Yeah, I <laughs> and, and then I think I've seen you at networking events and see how you interact with people. I realized, oh, you have that with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Because you are, you know, you're generally a very warm, inviting, authentic person. So you provide that safe space for people to show up and connect. And, and when you have that vulnerability, when you're willing to connect on that in, in, as an authentic person, it, it, it instantly sets a tone and people drop into that space versus have to keep up that veneer, as you say, you know? Right. Yes. Right. Sometimes it takes a lot of energy to keep up a veneer. Isn't that I, the I, truth? Yes. Yeah. It's true. I, I like going to the depth. 
kind of quickly. Me too. So yeah. beware. <laughs> uh, yeah. Beware if you see Eleanor and I on the street. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> or the opposite happens. My, hu- I'll come home from the grocery store and I'll say, "You'll never believe what happened to me." I'll tell my husband. He goes, "Oh yeah, I can believe it." Who were you talking to in aisle five that says, "Please tell me your life story"? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know, I know. I've had That's the most my... interesting conversations as a result of having this "tell me your story" face. <laughs> oh yes, because people love to be able to tell their own story. Yes. I mean, we, we think we're fascinating. <laughs> I know we think we're absolutely astounding. Our story is amazing, but that is what amazing but is I, that everybody has a story. And I think it's does. the depth and it, it's even beyond the, to me, the story is the context is very interesting, but mm. it's what that person has learned. You know, just like you starting off this podcast, talking about your mom in the, where, where, you know, all the kids sitting around the horseshoe table. It's like, what did you learn from that? How did that spark this? When you look back and you connect the dots, there's just such, so amazing, the amazing learnings. And again, hence this podcast to have these kinds of conversations to learn and understand. And cause you said you're still learning about storytelling. I think that's the beautiful thing is that we're still learning, even if we're in our sort of area of expertise that we were never really arrived. You know, we know no. we may know more than the people coming behind us, but there's people ahead of us too. So Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's the beauty is, you know, kind of to look ahead, look behind, look around, yeah. look around and, yes. and learn from each other. Because I think our lives are only enriched um, that much more when we learn and we can learn from each other and we can learn from reading. We can learn. Um, I, I think that when we stop learning, then life will become boring. Mm. It's interesting. Um, one of the uh, people I'm working with, his um, market really are people who are probably entering retirement. Mm. And uh, one of the people who I like to read and follow is Darren Hardy, who wrote The yes. Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, mm-hmm. The Compound Effect. And every day, Monday to Friday, he does like a under five minute uh, story that illustrates a, a point about becoming better every day. Yes. And um, one of the uh, a group, uh, he was talking about an executive who had retired and, you know, was golfing, you know, had everything he, you would think a retirement, a beautiful retirement would look like, yes. um, but found himself horribly unhappy. Mm. And it was because basically he had lost his purpose Sure. and um, Darren Hardy called this the chase. And I don't know if everybody would relate to that idea of the chase, but I think it's actually about living with purpose beyond uh, like into retirement. And what does that look like for people? Yes. And so one of my clients has a, has a course called shaping purpose where uh, you, you, get to discern your purpose and your plan going forward. And there, um, another dear person who I know who, uh, has written a book on, on purpose as well. Uh, she'll help, she helps career professionals discern their purpose and kind of create what she calls their Bible going forward. Right. It's like your life plan going forward. But I find it so fascinating and, and, this client also works with people who are in the military to help them, you know, people who are leaving the military, going into civilian life. Like these transitions are so important in our life. But I think what um, uh, what's important is that sense that we are here for a purpose yes. and and that we um, live that purpose no matter what we're doing in that stage of our life, mm. you know, whether we are going to school, whether we are um, working in a career, whether we're in a business or whether we're in retirement, um, when we, our retirement can look like or anything we want it to be. It can still be working. Like one of my brothers, sure. I'm not sure that he will ever retire. He has a business that he really enjoys and is probably making more now than he ever did. And it's so interesting that he's doing it on his own terms and really enjoying it. And, um, and it's just working really well for him. And so I think it's because he, it's part of his purpose. It's not his whole purpose, but that was 
kind of what I had said when I spoke with your group is that I, you know, I believe I'm here to build each other up or we are mm. here, here to build each other up, mm. especially now when we're looking at what's happening um, with uh, racism in uh, you know, especially in the, in the States, but everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's in the world that I believe that we are here to, to recognize the, the light, the beauty in each other, mm-hmm. to recognize that everyone has a light, everyone has a purpose, everyone has a reason to be here and everyone, um, has the right to live that out fully and to be seen. And to be seen. And to be seen. I think that's most people, not most, I, th- I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be seen. Do you truly see me? And, I, you know, so I think this is all linking, you know, with LinkedIn and our purpose <laughs> and showing up and showing who we are. And is the story we're telling about who we are resonate with, do people see us in our stories and, and what we're trying to communicate? That's yeah. really good. That's yeah. so true. Like I just went through an exercise, uh, it was for a marketing challenge and part of that was to go and talk to clients and you could do this if you're a career professional, go to talk with people who are your colleagues Mm. and, and ask them about the, the part of it was asking them about the experience of working with you. When I think of brand and, and we haven't talked a lot specifically about what brand means or what brand is, but I think of it as um, uh, really one definition is that the brand is the experience of you. Mm. So what does it feel like to work with you? And great definition. <laughs> one, one person had said, Oh, the, your brand is your aftertaste. <laughs> after, <laughs> after you've left the room. I'm is like, it bitter really or like, sweet? <laughs> I know. I, 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 it's very visual. Um, yes. And and there's a sense there, but uh, you're tapping into one of your one of your six senses. But to me, it doesn't um, aftertaste. Kind of, I think of a bitter aftertaste <laughs> when I when I put those words together. So what I like to think of it as is I I do enjoy beautiful wines. I love fine wines. We've we've been so fortunate to go on some wonderful wine tours in uh, various regions in Canada and uh, in Europe and um, a a beautiful wine has a fine finish Mm. and so people when when you're doing wine tasting you'll one of the questions will be well what is the finish and so I like to think of your brand as being that fine finish. That is that is what you, the experience of you is, mm. is that they are left with, uh, rather than the aftertaste, I'll define the aftertaste. It is that fine finish. Mm. It feels good mm. uh, to, to work with you. So, um, and how would people put that into words? Yeah. So that is, that is the that is the brand of you is what is the feeling that it's like to work with you? What Mm -hmm. is the experience of working with you? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we've done in talks that I've done is I've asked people to, to um, talk about a compliment that they've received. And so for instance, I would ask you, Dana, what's a, how has somebody complimented you recently? What did they say? Do you want me to answer that? Sure, please. <laughs> I think the one that stands out the most to me and it resonates with me is a friend had said to me, and it shows you what impacts you. Uh, and she said, if you want to find Dana in the room, follow the laughter. And oh. and that resonates with me because I like to be a storyteller and, you know, to, to be engaging and entertaining. So that sticks with me. So, and I do bring that in, you know, if I do speaking or, or training is to try to be, try to be that, you know, make it fun for people. You are that. And, and, you know, as soon as you said that, I, I have the picture of you laughing and, you know, big smile and the sound and, uh, that's it. Like, uh, no, that's a happy brand. Mm. That's a very happy brand. <laughs> who wouldn't want to work with somebody who makes you feel happy? Mm. Like follow the laughter. And, uh, so that, that's, that is, and, and in this very short exercise, it is a clue to who we are as a brand. Right. You know, the way mm. people compliment you, that speaks to you. And lots of people think, oh, me a brand? But if you think of companies as having a brand, uh, 
in a very similar way, we are as well. When you think, what is the experience that you have of a company or a product or whatever? What is the experience of you? So whether you have a business or whether you have a career or whether you are in retirement and, um, and enjoying what you're doing, the experience of you is you know, the essence of you, it is the brand of you. Mm. And um, that's what I like to bring to life, to articulate. So that in LinkedIn, you mean, so people can tell that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that they so people feel like they know you, and they see the best in you. Mm. And 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 you had already touched on some of these things in terms of LinkedIn. And if you can give us maybe a few other tips to kind of spruce it up. So you already talked about we not got to have a good picture that that you know tells our story. Our headline, you know, our about section is really important. You know, build your network and also to share engagement. Uh, you know, or to build content or engage with other people, share things that that you want to talk about um, or that are important to your brand. What are some other little tweaks or ideas we can do to rock our personal brand on LinkedIn? Sure. Okay. Any so big secrets again, that we don't know about? To your profile, because that is the foundation. Yes. Um, a few other things. One is just in terms of captivating attention, it's really important to have what's called a background image. Right. And that background image, it's free real estate because typically there is a background image that's a default. It's like constellations in the star, right. <laughs> constellations in the sky, blue. It's very pretty, but it's not going to distinguish you. And this is free real estate for you to help you tell your story, for you to help reflect the brand of you or your company. Um, So your background image is one other way that you are going to captivate attention. Mm. Um, A few other things that are really important are your top skills and your top three skills. What do you want to be known for uh, now and going forward? So you may, like for instance, um, I have lots of people who've endorsed me for marketing research. But uh, it's something I still do, but it's not the core of my business. And so I want more people to be um, endorsing me for skills like LinkedIn or perhaps storytelling or brand or stuff like this. Um, uh, So your skills section is really important because when we think of search engine optimization, if people are looking for you, they're going to say, oh, or a speaker, you know, I'm looking for somebody who's a speaker. So what are the key parts of your brand that you want to be known for and make sure that they are your your top three skills? Mm, Another part that's really important is recommendations because if somebody's going to recommend you, it's their reputation they're putting on the line. Sure. So it has great value. It also takes a lot more time, energy, effort to write a recommendation for somebody. And you want that recommendation to reflect your brand, like who you are. What is it like to work with you? Or mm. it's a volunteer position. What is it like to... Um, uh, uh, what what are the skills that you bring to that? Mm. And so recommendations are really important as well. Um, but, you know, in terms of a profile, there is kind of like an all-star profile where these various things need to be uh, part of your profile, like your about section needs to have 40 words. So there, there are very specific things that will create an all-star profile for you so that if somebody is going to Google somebody who looks like you, uh, you will come up. Right. And um, then there's what I will call your A-plus profile, which goes a step further. It has a number of these other elements that are important that will attract somebody to you, but are also designed to suit the objectives that you have. Mm. So it's written, your your about section is not just as 40 words, it's written to suit the objective that you have. It's putting you in your best light. Okay. And so if someone said, hey, I really like this idea of sprucing up my LinkedIn, especially as we are in around this time where we have kids graduating from school or high school and professional universities trying to get jobs, uh, and and it's just a great time to reexamine our personal brand on LinkedIn if that's important to us um, to help us, you know, achieve our business goals. How do people get in contact with you? Your company name is? The, my company name is called New Marketing Today, newmarketingtoday.com. And you can reach me at, by email if you like or on LinkedIn. Um, so, and 
I'll give you those contact inf that contact information. So email, pretty simple. It's Eleanor, and my name is spelled the same way as Eleanor Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> so Eleanor at newmarketingtoday.com. And on LinkedIn, it's uh, linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Eleanor Austin. And Austin, like the Austin car or Steve Austin, the $6 million <laughs> man. <laughs> oh. I may be dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Because I, I think there, there's always opportunity to to revisit um, these LinkedIn profiles, how our presence, because we do them, they're, they're like doing resumes. They take time. We don't right. always want to uh, do it because we don't even know what to do. And I'm just listening to you describe some of these things, you know, the, the focused, you know, the top three skills, right? You know, are, are there things on my profile that I don't necessarily need to have highlighted that if I'm trying to get work in this area? Um, so it's making me think about that. So, well, just like life, it's a continual <laughs> process of refinement, isn't it? <laughs> over time. Yes, it is. Well, I've enjoyed this conversation so much. Thank you, Dana. I really, really appreciate it. It's wonderful to converse with you always. Yes. I, I only have a, a few little questions left. I call it my little rapid fire questions. Do you want to play? Okay. Sure. <laughs> what would you say your superpower is? I would say my superpower is energy, perhaps. Mm, energy. Or in like my insatiable curiosity, mm, perhaps. Yeah. And especially about you. Like whoever I'm speaking with, I want to know all about you. Mm, I get that. I get that. What has become abundantly clear to you? That... We are one world. Mm. We are all we are all human. We are all the same. And I this may be a longer answer, but you know, through COVID nineteen, I believe that we do need to build back better, as the expression goes in New Brunswick, based on Lisa Haravlik's book, where after the flood in New Brunswick that was supposed to be once in a century. We had mm -hmm. two times, two twice in two years, um, where the person had said to her when their house had been flooded and destroyed, we need to build back better. Mm. So I believe that this is an opportunity in the world to say, how can we go, how can we think beyond our own lives, our own country? Um, how can we think bigger so that we are all, God, if that expression goes, we are all in this together. Like, yes. how can we be all in this together so we have a better world mm. coming out of this? Mm. And what does the world need most? Respect, kindness, love, um, ideas, and action. Mm. Thank you, Eleanor. Thank you, Dana. This has been great. I want to ask you the same questions. <laughs> okay, start a podcast. <laughs> Can I put those okay. in my LinkedIn profile, my answers? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Thank you so much. This, is, this has you. been wonderful. Marvelous. I really, really, really appreciate it. I've loved it. And still, I am so curious. I really want you to go through this lightning round with me. <laughs> <laughs> do you can right we, now? You do? Yeah, yeah, sure. Can I ask you the same question? Sure. Okay. Okay. So number one is? <laughs> what is your superpower? Your superpower. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think my ability to see people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And number two is? What has become abundantly clear to you? Yes. Hmm that everyone wants to be seen right that we everyone does everyone wants to be seen and it's yeah that's it needs that's to it. be it needs to be seen yeah yeah you know what just quickly on that there was a survey that was done that showed that when a manager said hello in the morning to their direct reports and said goodbye at the end of the day that that employee uh was um uh, much more engaged, much happier mm. at work mm. because they felt like they were seen. True. The power yeah. of someone saying your name and addressing yes. you. 
There right. is there anything like it when someone says your name, you're like, wow, they know my name. You know, especially if it's not someone that you know well, you're like, they yes. know me. You know, it makes you feel like you're plucked out of a crowd. <laughs> yes, so yeah, like Mr. Dressup. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the magic of hearing your own name that that alone makes you feel like somebody sees you. Or- Yes, I guess it was romper room, wasn't it? With that was it romper match? room? You're they, challenging my memory on that. <laughs> <laughs> I love them both. I just can't remember a whole lot about them. <laughs> and uh, the next question. Uh, what does the world need most? And I, I think this, the word that comes to me is love. Yes. Yeah. Love for ourselves, love for each yeah. other. That's right. what connects us. Yeah. So those are my answers today. They could change tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Next podcast, the next guest. That's right. Well, that's that's the beauty of everything. As you get more information, things change. It's always this continual unraveling and learning. But so it's been fun learning with you today, Eleanor. Thank you. You too, Dana. Thank you. That was such a great conversation. If you loved it too, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at CoachDana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.